All right, a lot of breaking news at this hour. The president now is at American Red Cross headquarters uh, announcing uh, a and encouraging people that have had coronavirus that have the antibodies. We've talked about convalescent plasma for a long time. If you look at the Ford study and the study that Dr. Oz and I, the other study from New York that we've talked at length about with hydroxychloroquine used early, convalescent plasma, in other words, people with antibodies infusing the blood into those people that have coronavirus and are having problems, has has shown a lot of promise. I'm not your doctor, but let's, let's dip in and hear what the president says. Uh, you've gotten through it, and I guess that means you have something very special there, right, Gail? So uh, we would appreciate that. It would help a lot of people. We're grateful to LabCorp for offering free antibody testing to identify people who can donate. And LabCorp has really been fantastic in a lot of ways, other ways also. As a result of these initiatives, we've already treated nearly 50,000 patients with plasma. Roughly 2 million Americans have fully recovered from the virus. This afternoon, I'm asking these citizens to go to the coronavirus.gov. It's coronavirus.gov and volunteer to donate plasma as soon as you can. We have a lot of people that would heal, would get better as soon as you can, please. In addition, I'm once again urging all Americans to protect the elderly, socially distanced, wear a mask when you cannot avoid the crowded places. And if you can, you have to avoid crowded places. It just seems like so many things are taking place in crowded places. We don't want that. And always wash your hands. Wash your hands as often as you can. Together we'll defeat the virus. We'll defeat the invisible enemy. I want to thank the American Red Cross. I've been a a fan of the Red Cross for a long time, as you know, and uh, we appreciate the great work that you do. Thank you very much, Gail. And now I'd like to uh, ask Gail to say a few words, please. Thank you. Mr. President, thank you so much for joining us today and for shining a light on the critical need for convalescent plasma. Uh, I'm honored to be seated here with these distinguished top medical experts. So we're going to hang with this event uh, here for a moment. And as we do, I want to bring in Dr. Mark Siegel to... Help us emphasize the and and, by, and they have seen progress. We've talked a lot about it with our medical A team, and and obviously uh, people that have been in rough shape. Again, only anecdotal that I have heard through the interviews I've done with many many doctors. But you know, when people get to a different point, as they said in the Ford study, for example, the mortality rate, death rate drops dramatically if hydroxychloroquine, zinc, erythromycin are used early. Uh, this is usually, you know, if people are really struggling and apparently have shown very promising results for many and uh, we'll need more data on it. But the president urging people to do this, um, you know, I know everybody's getting crazy out there. You can't even say, well, what do you think about this idea? Or is there any is there any hope with remdesivir or you know, we now had the retracted study that was widely cited by the media on hydroxychloroquine, but they pretty much ignored the Ford study and the New York study, um, which is sad because and they ignored Daniel Wallace, the most eminent pre- preeminent, you know, medical expert on hydroxychloroquine. His words, not mine. The risk is nil. The risk is nil. Um, and going on to say, never had any complications, 42 years, 400 peer-reviewed articles. He's the foremost expert, wrote the textbook on lupus. Again, they use hydroxychloroquine for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. 
He's also headed every committee there as well and written papers on anti-malarials. This guy knows this drug. It's 65 years old. And you listen to the mob, the media, how could anyone ever consider it as dangerous as this? Well, okay, am I going to listen to Dr. Joyless Behar or the fake news CNN anchors that are politicizing any and everything involved with Donald Trump? You know, what has Dr. Oz always said? You, you, know, you go to the war with the army you have, not with the one you wish you had. And you do the best you can. And you do the best you can even when we had... Well, it's now the worst pandemic since 1918. We, nobody understood or knew the ramifications of any of this. Uh, while the death rate is climbing, we are seeing such a dramatically low uh, percentage of deaths in these states that we hear so much about. Anyway, so the president with the American Red Cross encouraging blood plasma donations, promoting innovative therapeutics, Operation Warp Speed, not only have they continued to innovate with therapeutics, but we're now in final phase trials as it relates to a vaccine. And the president has already mobilized, if in fact this works, the instantaneous production of the vaccine and distribution of the vaccine to people that like it. You know, remdesivir, I've only read good things about it. You go on to check with your doctor on any of these important things, but it's, it's, it's certainly anything that is going to help us you know, defeat this uh, invisible enemy is going to be great. Like, for example, there was an article I read today, New York's coronavirus deaths uh, in worst week outnumber Florida, Texas death tolls since the pandemic start. Remember, New York, 32,658. The dopey executive order of Cuomo sending COVID-19 patients into long-term care facilities and nursing homes. Thousands died. They wouldn't have died otherwise. They should have been protected. The state that protected them the best, he'll never get the credit. That would be Florida. That would be Governor DeSantis. The Sun Belt, well, we always said it's going to be a matter of when, not if. There's a rebound, uh, a second round, because that's always the case. And we've seen it in the Sun Belt in Florida and Texas and Arizona. And what we're not hearing, though, is data from John Hopkins suggesting even with the growing death toll and every life to me is precious. It still pales in Florida and Texas pale in comparison to the deaths in states that were stupid and didn't protect the elderly and those with underlying conditions and compromised immune systems. You know, that was the big thing. One of the new phenomenons is more younger people are getting coronavirus in the Sunbelt states. Uh, and they have, you know, largely been scrutinized and demonized in the media for the for the for the for the increased incidences as they become the next hot spot, as we call it. And uh, but anyway, if you look at now what's happening here, the deadliest seven day period, 911 deaths, the same ca- about Texas, but um, New York, which was the country's first epicenter. Well, they had 6,657 deaths in one week. Um, And we know now why, because that was right after the March 28th uh, executive order of Cuomo, followed by New Jersey's Governor Murphy, followed by Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania. But if you look at the number of deaths, New York's worst week, one week still exceeds the total number of deaths in Florida and Texas, both of which have larger populations. And I don't think any state has a 
a larger percentage of elderly people than the sunshine state of Florida. I mean, it is uh, it is pretty unbelievable. The empire, if you look at tech, uh, Florida total, even with the surge that is now looks like it's leveling off, which is the pattern that we did see in New York and elsewhere. And then you get a slow decline and a dramatic drop off. And the same with the Lone Star State. Well, okay, that's 6,333 in Florida, 6,125 in Texas total. New York, 32,658. A lot of it because of those decisions. When you add New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, where they were so stupid in Michigan, it is, it is not even close. But nobody will get credit. There's a new corona, a couple of stories about possibly home testing that might be coming sooner than we might think. There was an interesting article I saw. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know anything about it. New York Post had it. Dogs apparently in Germany, they're determining, can sniff out coronavirus with a striking 94% accuracy rate. That would raise the possibility of instant tests at sporting events, airports, uh, maybe helping us get back to life, a little normal life, a little more regularly. Uh, There's a horrible column in the New York Post by Betsy McCoy how in Pennsylvania hospitals are like tilting. In other words, there's not enough remdesivir apparently. Tilting the scale in favor of patients, quote, from disadvantaged areas. She writes, if you're middle class, you're toast. And it's to, quote, redress social injustices. Well, I think the real answer is just produce enough for everybody. And maybe the Defense Production Act could be used on that front if if it's showing that much promise. Uh, We haven't talked about remdesivir a lot in a long time. The FDA has opened the door now to rapid at-home testing. But clearly, convalescent plasma, which we've talked at length about, remdesivir, these these new studies on hydroxychloroquine when taken early with zinc in particular, and usually with azithromycin, show amazing results um, that the mob and the media wouldn't report on. I mean, it's really sad that, you know, you're going to politicize medicine. I don't know why are you going to politicize medicine? And... What, what, what is the point? What do you get when you do something like that? What is the upside of something like that? Um, you have a gunman threatening uh, to open fire and shoot a mother and son because they didn't adhere to social distancing guidelines. I mean, that's how crazy things are getting. And he, you know, allegedly opened fire in a lobby of Miami's Crystal Beach Suites Hotel, became angry because a mother and son refused to socially distance Everyone would take a deep breath. I mean, we've seen some other videos, et cetera, that have come out as well. Washington state's governors tighten coronavirus restrictions. Uh, but in that particular case, uh, it you know, as a new breakout has taken place there. Now, Washington state, remember, was one of the states hit earlier because of travel coming in from China before the travel ban. Uh, we have... Uh, oh, Susan Rice blaming Trump for the coronavirus deaths. Oh, okay. Did Donald is it is it Trump or was it was it China that misled the entire world? Uh, Ohio literally banned life saving treatment, uh, according to the Ford study and the New York study that we've talked a lot about. The Department of Health there uh, against hydroxychloroquine. Uh, now the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, is say, asking the state's health department to reverse their ban. Maybe they haven't read these new studies. Maybe we'll send Dr. Oz or maybe they can do a Zoom call and see what he thinks. 
Now, all of a sudden, Dr. Fauci apparently is now all about wearing goggles. Well, I'm, I do have a lot of respect for Dr. Fauci, but he, like pretty much everybody else, got a lot wrong for a long time. In large part, I would argue, because China lied to the world. But every model, every prediction, you don't need masks. If you're young and healthy, you can get on a cruise ship. Those were all things Dr. Fauci said in March. I'm not being critical. He's dedicated decades of his life towards saving lives. And I know they're all trying their best. And the president, okay, he's embraced social distancing and masks uh, and therapeutics and, of course, Operation Warp Speed to get us to a vaccine. And we're getting there because we've never broken down the sequence of, sequence of a virus in six weeks ever before. Incredible progress we've made. And I always said from the beginning, you can check my timeline out. We have it on Hannity.com that I believe in medical research and our scientists and our experts and the medical community. They're, they're going to be the ultimate answer. And it now appears that is all true. And it's it's happening before our eyes. Imagine identifying the first known case of Corona in January and having a potential vaccine finish third phase trials, hopefully successfully within nine months that usually took, it used to take six years to break down the sequence of a virus. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity show 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, so I guess uh, during a eulogy of, of Congressman John Lewis, I have nothing but great things to say about John Lewis. I knew him when I was in Atlanta. I don't like his politics. I don't like how he's treated the president. I don't like how any of the Democrats have, but I admire him for his courage. You know, Selma to Montgomery, this, this man was in the forefront facing back fierce hatred, got hit in the head with a brick, uh, dogs and fire hoses, just an atrocious, you know, uh, part of American history, and he bravely did that, and he changed the world. All of these civil rights leaders did. By the way, Joe Biden's mentor, Robert Byrd, was filibustering the bill. Side note. Um, anyway, so during this, well, Obama goes that the federal police have used gas and batons against peaceful protesters. Now, I don't want to, I normally wouldn't comment on anybody with a eulogy. He's brought politics into this but more importantly what between what he is saying what biden is saying these liberal mayors are saying these liberal governors are saying is just false you know the the hundred federal police as an ap reporter that was embedded with them over the weekend they stay inside and only come out when there's trouble and there's only a hundred of them you have blinded federal officers because of lasers used against them. Rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails, uh, you name it. Um, it I, I, I am just stunned. Bats and hockey sticks and, you know, fireworks and then knives and guns. It's it, This is now the party of anarchy supporting. Bull Connor may be gone, but today... We witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. We may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot. 
But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. That was Barack Obama eulogizing John Lewis. Remember what, Remember the Wellstone funeral? I mean, when you think back, and I've, I've gone through this history, and I've, I've warned everybody, every two years, every four years, you watch this Democratic Party divide this country, old versus young, rich versus poor. The race card is played. We've, we've gone through the, the extensive history of all of this. And 1998, a radio ad, Missouri, black churches will, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, black churches will burn or crosses will burn. The James Byrd ad, it's like my father was killed all over again, meaning because George W. Bush didn't support hate crimes legislation, but he did support the death penalty for those involved in the dragging death of this innocent man named James Byrd. You got the Al Gore, you know, changing his tone, his pitch, his cadence, and the whole Republicans got the wrong agenda for African Americans. They don't even want to count you in the census. Leading up to, they're going to put you all back in chains. And uh, now we have using tear gas batons against peaceful protesters, trying to discourage and 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 closing polls and targeting minorities and it let's play it again and, and get it all bull connor may be gone but today we witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black americans george wallace may be gone but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators we may no longer have to Guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot. But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. That is at a eulogy for Congressman John Lewis today. And um, so much of it isn't true. It's just a lie. Federal police, we're talking about most instances... Federal police, after, what, nearly over two months now of protesting in Portland that are protecting federal buildings, where there have been attempts uh, to actually burn the buildings to the ground, where federal courthouses, where the vandalism and the violence, you know, what, what are we hearing from, what are we hearing from the police chief in Seattle? I cannot, if there is a riot, 
My department will be unavailable to help businesses and residents because the tools and training that my officers would need to disperse crowds, pepper spray, non-lethal, tear gas, non-lethal. You know, what, what did Obama say? Tear gas and batons against peaceful protesters. They're using their power to discourage people from casting a ballot. Who is doing that? Closing a, of, of polls to minorities, targeting minorities and students after you have IDs. Well, to get into the Democratic National Convention every single year, I've needed a picture ID to get in. Just saying. And uh, attack voting rights. One of the ironies of this is that Joe Biden, the leader of this new Democratic radical extreme party, you know, he praises, as does Hillary Clinton, as does Bill Clinton, as have many, many others in the Democratic Party, the former Klansman as their mentor. The guy that actually voted to filibuster the Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, that's that would be that would be Robert KKK Bird. They lionized the my mentor, the great, you know, Robert KKK Bird. If you if you want to talk about integration segregation, who used the term racial jungle? That would be Joe Biden. If you want the history of all of this. This, 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 this is so sad. It is so divisive. It is so inaccurate. It is so untrue. And as I said, when I, when I did go to Atlanta, I got to know, I was welcomed my first day in Atlanta in 1992 by then Mayor Maynard Jackson to the city. Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the city. I'm the mayor. Had him on the radio show many, many, many times. Joseph Lowry and I do not agree on politics, but I came to admire him and the bravery of all these civil rights icons. Head of the SCLC, Southern Christian Leadership Council. Hosea Williams called in so many times. Every year for a number of years, call in on Monday before the Thursday Thanksgiving. He'd always have a, you know, free dinners that he'd be given out to people. Brought me down there one year. We're not going to make it. Here's the number. I remember the number, 222-9999. And he would give that out. Many times a guest on my show. Andy Young, I wasn't that close to Andy Young, but I admired him. Knew he was a good man. You think of the life of John Lewis and all these civil rights champions. Remember the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act? Lyndon Johnson needed the 80% of Republicans in the House and Senate to get those that historic legislation passed. Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton's mentor, Nancy Pelosi's mentor, Schumer's mentor, Robert KKK Byrd, that they praised, he was filibustering the Civil Rights Act of 64-5, Voting Rights Act. Al Gore's father, he was against it too. And he was serving, I think, in the Senate at the time. He was against it. Republicans don't even want to count you in the census. Elect Republicans, black churches, uh, crosses are going to burn. 
It's like my father was killed all over again. Republicans have the wrong agenda. For African Americans, they don't even want to count them in the census. What president was it? Was it Obama? Was it Barack and Joe that shattered every record low unemployment level for African Americans? It was not. And Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. You know, that, that's been Donald Trump that shattered all those records. Who has committed more money for the longest period of time for historically black colleges in this country? That's Donald Trump. That wasn't Barack and it wasn't Joe. Who created opportunity zones to help minority communities, predominantly minority communities? That was Donald Trump. It wasn't Barack and it wasn't Joe. You look at the other major accomplishments. What did Joe Biden and Barack do to help the violence in Chicago? Because I scrolled names on my television show. All of those shot and the people shot and killed because of the regular, unacceptable amount of violence that was happening in Barack's hometown. They barely mentioned it over the course of eight years. Did nothing to stop it. What did we see in Ferguson? What did we see in Baltimore? What is we the comments with with Cambridge? Now all of a sudden it's police the enemy. Now you got the Portland mayor, you got the Seattle mayor, you got the Chicago mayor, you got the New York City mayor. Violence spiraling out of control. Vast majority of victims, I can tell you, in New York and Chicago are minorities. Shooting victims percentage every week. You get a percentage in New York. It's eight ninety eight, ninety nine. Or 100% even some weeks, shooting victims in New York City are minorities. Want to know what a a billion-dollar cut to the New York Police Department has meant so far? We had a report of Lawrence Jones last night. It is devastating New York City. Know what you're going to see soon? The largest mass exodus out of a city and state. New York City, New York State. After the disastrous coronavirus response by both of them, the mayor and the governor, after the disastrous embracing of the anarchists, you know, we had an arrest the other night. Police are trying to arrest a guy, uh, a woman actually in New York, like they always do. There was a warrant out for arrest. It was, you know, on tape, on video, taking down New York PD cameras. Didn't have a right to do that. Warrant out for their arrest. And then a, a violent crowd emerges, very difficult to rest, putting in them in the back of an unmarked car. This is outrageous. Has anyone thought about, what, nearly 2,000 officers now injured? 59 in Seattle over the weekend alone. Look at the, nobody wants, none of these police, 100 police departments that were scheduled to help with the DNC, they're not going anymore because they won't allow what are standard train tactics to disperse crowds if that so happens. After George Floyd, there were plenty of peaceful protesters. Yes, it shocked the conscience of a nation. In that sense, Barack Obama's right. But that was unanimous. The entire country agreed that can't happen again. Should never have happened in the first place. There will be justice in that case. 
I always say, you know, let's wait. Benefit of the doubt. Innocent till proven guilty. Wait to all the facts. And you can't. I, my, my eyes don't deceive me. The man was handcuffed. You put a knee on somebody's neck and you press down into the pavement, their face and neck. And the person is pleading, I can't breathe. And please, sir, please, sir. I don't know anybody that saw that and was not outraged. You weren't outraged at that. You don't have a conscience and a soul. What happened to Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr.? We don't want any more 19-year-olds killed. That was in the summer of love zone, the Chaz zone, the chop zone. According to Mayor Durkin. Mayor Wheeler in Portland's gone on for, we're getting close to 70 days now. Federal agents, three of them probably permanently blinded with these lasers that these peaceful protesters are using against police. We have enough video showing the rocks, the bottles, the bricks, the Molotov cocktails, the knives, the guns, the fireworks showing up for armed conflict. And now we've got this from former President Barack Obama. How sad, especially when you're honoring somebody I think was one of the most courageous people ever in terms and, and had a and not only a courageous John Lewis as he marched with Martin Luther King Jr., Selma to Montgomery, etc. You know, literally skull was broken. Peacefully protesting. And not only that, they succeeded not with the help of the mentor of Pelosi, Schumer, Hillary, Bill, and Joe Biden, because their mentor was filibustering the Civil Rights Act. Al Gore's father was nowhere to be found against it. That's the history. And this happens every two and four years. How does this benefit old versus young, rich versus poor? Black versus white. Why? Supposed to be one united family, glorious nation under God. And to just tell falsehoods like this. Why? So you can, you can, what have liberal policies done for safety and security in all of these, these cities that are liberal that have been run by liberals for decades? They don't have safety and security. See it every week, every night now. What has happened to the educational system? And again, these cities run by liberal Democrats for decades. The most atrocious failure ever. They've done nothing to help our children, our, our national treasure, as I call them. Every child. This is just sad to me, what you just heard. These are tough times, heavy times, pandemics, anarchy. We've got now, you know, a group of liberal mayors, governors, Biden, now Barack Obama embracing and defending the anarchists, saying they're peaceful. They're not. See it before our eyes. Only five days left until Hannity's new book is unleashed. All right, that's it. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. We'll have more on that. Um, we're going to get back to I want to get quick before we get to some other issues with Senator Lindsey Graham. I want to go back to the comments at uh, the eulogy of Representative John Lewis, uh, who I have nothing but entire respect for. It is a bit ironic that 
Um, I, I, I don't really understand how eulogies become politicized the way they do. It's not the first time this has happened. I remember the Wellstone funeral. Uh, and uh, there's Barack Obama today. And this guy was a, a hero who who impacted it helped America become a more perfect nation because it was those with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the SC, SC, uh, CLC and, and Dr. Lowry, people I got to know, Maynard Jackson who passed away, Hosea Williams who passed away. They're all regulars on my radio show in Atlanta. Later, Bill Campbell, he got in trouble. I mean, we had a kind of contentious relationship at times, but we, we talked um, and we had political disagreements, but because of the bravery and the peaceful protesting, it resulted in real change. Civil Rights Act, 64 Voting Rights Act. Now Pelosi, Schumer, Bill and Hillary, and Joe Biden all praised Robert KKK Byrd. The guy that was filibustering. The historic changes that were made as a result of the efforts of Dr. King and all these names I mentioned, and, and John Lewis. Dogs and fire hoses and bricks. John Lewis got had his skull broken. And he made real change. Helped us become a more perfect union. Here, let's go back to the eulogy from earlier today and Barack Obama. Bull Connor may be gone, but today we witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness... Our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. We may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot. But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. That was at the uh, eulogy of uh, John Lewis today. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham is with us. I don't know if you had heard that earlier today. I just wanted to get your initial reaction. We have other topics we're going to get to. It reminds me of why President Trump won. Uh, why? Yeah, well, because... Oh, well, by the uh, way, remember what he said when he was running, you know, what have you got to lose? And yeah. then he went on to shatter every unemployment record for every demographic group in the country and opportunity zones, yeah. and helping historically black colleges, and, and greater the greatest amount of money, longest commitment period of time. No, it's, but my point, Sean, that I was trying to make, basically, is that I don't miss Obama. <laughs> um, you know, John Lewis lived a consequential life. Uh, I do remember when he said that the McCain campaign in 2008 reminded him of the Wallace campaign. That was sort of a low point point with me and John Lewis, but he led a consequential life. He did, as you say, made the, the country a better place. But, you know, I had fierce, so di if, fierce disagreements with his policies. Didn't agree with yeah, any of them or some yeah, of the but, controversial things he said. But he did. He did cause change that was real. But the mentor of their presidential candidate, uh, the, the presidential candidate, their party this year 
praises the guy filibustering the historic bill that that we're talking about even here. Yeah, and I guess the big point is if Donald Trump was speaking at a funeral about some conservative, Herman Cain's funeral, let's say, um, and, and he started turning the funeral into a rally for the conservative cause, people would be blowing their heads off uh, in terms of the media. And uh, so here's the deal. Uh, John Lewis deserves uh, a, a great send-off. Uh, he, he risked his life to make America a better place. But the question you asked me is about what about President Obama. My point is, if life had been that good under President Obama, there'd be no Donald Trump. And here's what I want people to remember. Before the coronavirus, African-Americans and Latino families were doing better uh, during the Trump years than they did during the the eight years. Dramatically uh, better. Dramatically. You know, and immigration reform, if it had been that important to President uh, Obama, why didn't he take it up in his first two years? Criminal justice reform, eight years they didn't do a thing, and Trump got it done. All of these things about police reform that President Trump has done by executive orders, they had eight years to do this. They had the entire government for eight years. And uh, so if things are not well uh, when it comes to these issues, they take part of the blame. I would say that Donald Trump has done more to help the people they're talking about at the funeral than President Obama did. You know, that's a great point about criminal justice reform and police reform. And remember when, oh, you know, Biden's position on integration and his his comments about a racial jungle. You know, I, I warn my audience every two years. I've been doing this now 30 plus years on radio and 25 years of Fox. Every two years, every four years. 1998, Missouri radio bat, uh, ad. If you like Republicans, black crosses are going to burn. Uh, crosses are going to burn. If uh, the James Byrd ad. It's like my father was killed all over again because George Bush didn't support hate crimes legislation, but he did support the death penalty for the people involved in the murder of that innocent man, the dragging death. Uh, Al Gore, you know, changes his tone, pitch, cadence, and before a predominantly African-American audience and Republicans got the wrong agenda for African-Americans. I don't even want to count you in the census, he says. Hillary Clinton, I don't feel in no ways tired. I mean, every two, four years, this is Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, want dirty air and water. And the, the, it used to be a Paul Ryan lookalike. This year it'll be a Trump lookalike taking granny in a wheelchair and throwing her over a cliff. Same, same playbook, never changes. Yeah, and what they won't talk about is their agenda. They'll talk about what's wrong with us. They'll manufacture, uh, you know, issues around race. They'll play the race card endlessly. If you're an African-American conservative, you're not really African-American. If you're a conservative woman, you're not really uh, a woman. And if you're a white guy from the South, you're automatically a racist if you're a Republican. You know what? This is wearing old. Donald Trump has proven to me that the country's moving on beyond this, that people sort of fed up with it. They're looking for results, not rhetoric. And here's why Trump is going to win. He produced the results that Democrats have been promising but never delivered upon. It was Donald Trump who gave African-American men and Latino men a second chance in life. It was Donald Trump who's created a permanent funding stream for uh, for historically black colleges. It was Donald Trump who brought prosperity to every corner of America. They had eight years and didn't do any of this stuff. I know. 
Let me let me go over some other um, issues that you're going to bring here. Now, we've got this COVID relief bill. And my understanding right. is that the Democrats don't want the right to be able for people to sue China. Yeah, Just so tell have, me that's not true. Okay, uh, it is true. So remember, Jasta, remember the attacks on 9-11. The Congress passed unanimously a bill allowing uh, victims of the 9-11 attacks to go after officials in Saudi Arabia that may have collaborated with the terrorists to kill 3,000 of us. John Cornyn made a great point today. 153,000 Americans have died from the coronavirus. If it weren't for the lying, cheating, and min- min- manipulation of the Chinese Communist Party, it wouldn't be here. Uh, if it wasn't for China's practices over time, there wouldn't be a pandemic. So we're trying to open the courts up to American citizens who've suffered to sue China like we did after 9-11, and all but one Democrat voted no, and every Republican voted yes. So I hope the president will take this issue and run with it and say that he is for giving every American who suffered from the coronavirus a chance to go after the culprit here, which is the Chinese Communist Party in an American court of law. Yeah, um, it's, it's really unbelievable to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, what we're going to defend? Why? What? What are the reasons here? That just you can't even come to a reason. You know, I, I feel so. so yeah, go ahead, sir. You know, uh, they they actually meant they want to blame Trump. In their world, the the virus came from Trump Tower, not from some lab in Wuhan, China. It, it, it drives them crazy to talk about a scenario where China is blamed for the virus and not Trump. So this idea of being able to open the courts to sue China, who's the main culprit here, is an idea worth pursuing. I hope Mitch McConnell will let us vote on this bill on the floor of the United States Senate and put all of us on record. Are you for going after China or not? Great, great question. You're watching what's happening with General Flynn. I mean, it is now a full-on persecution of this man. Persecution, yeah. I've been a lawyer most of my adult life. Uh, I was a lawyer in the Air Force, a practice in civilian life. I was a military judge, prosecutor, defense attorney. I've never seen a circumstance in my entire legal career when the government wishes to drop a case against the defendant because of prosecutorial misconduct and the judge says no. Is the most egregious abuse of uh, the concept of the rule of law I've ever seen. Judges are not prosecutors. If the government uh, finds new evidence and they want to drop a case they think was improperly brought and the defense agrees, then the judge shouldn't continue the persecution. What they're doing in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals really bothers me because it's a very clear rule in America that judges don't bring cases. They decide disputes brought by parties, and it's up to the prosecutor to decide who to prosecute, not the judge. Unbelievable. And, you know, this has now gone on. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And, you know, or the Roger Stone case, what was we're allowed to not have fair and impartial juries anymore. It's okay to have a jury for person with a prejudice against the person if prior to even getting on the jury. You know, we're going to allow these pre-dawn raids. Where's the pre-dawn raid for those that Michael Horowitz said were committing these same process crimes of lying to Congress? Well, you know, just uh, hopefully in the next uh, coming days, we'll be able to show 
a pattern here. Um, I, I told, I mentioned this on your show for the first time. We found evidence that in March of 2018, a year after the interview of the subsource by the FBI, that Congress became suspicious of the reliability of the Russian subsource, and they wanted to be briefed, and they were briefed by the FBI. And we found some talking points that seemed to indicate to me that that Congress was lied to in the same fashion as the FISA court. A year after uh, they knew the Russian dossier was unreliable. So there's a lot, many more shoes to drop. And I want to thank Bill Barr for being who he is. He's given transparency to the Russian uh, Mueller report, unlike anything I've seen before. And his handling of the Democrats in the House was just spectacular. How he did it, I don't know, without losing his cool. All right, stay. Uh, well, actually, we're going to let you go. I know you got a lot going on. Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator, South Carolina. Senator, it's 96 days till Election Day. You feeling good about it? Yeah, I think this is going to break our way because the issues are so obvious. You just need to focus on them. That comes later on during the debates. All right, Lindsey Graham, Senator, South Carolina. Thank you. All right, let's get a quick call in here. 800-941-SEAN. Uh, we'll get back to Obama's comments now that created a firestorm. Uh, Richard in Florida. Richard, hi. How are you? Glad you're with us, and thanks for calling. Hey, Sean. Hey. Hey, I had a thought about the Portland mayor. Um, since he won't protect the federal building, I would love to see President Trump just shut it down, shut completely shut down the federal courthouse in Portland, make all of the Oregonians either go to Washington State, California, Idaho, Montana, you name your state, make them leave the state to go to the federal courthouse. And while you're at it, maybe he should shut down the Social Security Administration, uh, uh, the IRS. Well, the pro- maybe, but even if you say. shut it down, you still got to protect the building from those that want to burn it to the ground. Well, I'm talking permanently shut it down, permanently shut it down for the next four years. Don't have a federal courthouse in the state of Oregon until that mayor and that governor promise to protect it. And then don't open it back up until they pay the money to fix it. Well, you know, then it's not a matter that they're ever going to fix it. The problem is, is yeah. now if you listen to the Jerry Nadler's, the Joe Biden's, now the Barack Obama's, the Mayor Durkin's and the, the Mayor Lightweight in Chicago and that idiot Wheeler in Portland and Comrade de Blasio, they're denying that the violence is even happening. They're just denying it. And we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of officers now being seriously, significantly injured. We're up to, I think, 12 to 14 dead officers in the country. You have now officers, federal officers, three of them looks like they're permanently blinded by the lasers they use as a weapon. Never mind the rocks, bottles, bricks, Molotov cocktails, hockey sticks, fireworks, you name it, they've got it. And to deny that simple truth, it's just a lie. Everything they're saying is a lie. As usual, unfortunately, the mob goes along with it. All right, later in the program, we're going to uh, have a lot of announcements about some of the events that we're going to be doing and and hope you can participate in uh, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. I want to get to the... I have talked about this forever. We just played the comments of Barack Obama. I'm going to play them again. He said other things as well. We, we, once we pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we keep marching to make it even better by making sure every America, American is automatically registered to vote, including former inmates, he goes on to say. 
And then he talks about America guaranteeing American citizens have equal representation in our government, including Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. And uh, by ending partisan gerrymandering. Uh, And then, by the way, and if all that takes eliminating the filibuster, another, quote, Jim Crow relic in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. Donald Trump has been saying, you know, not only they want to stack the courts and get rid of the Electoral College, that's a big part of it. He criticized lawmakers that have unleashed a a flood of laws designated specifically to make voting hard by way of state legislators, where there's a lot of minority uh, turnout, he goes on to say. That's not necessarily a mystery or an accident. Um, Let me play these other comments, and then we're going to give you the history, and then we're going to have guests that we're going to bring in here to discuss these events today. Bull Connor may be gone, but today we witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness... Our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. We may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot. But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. How, by the way, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, both Bill and Hillary Clinton, praising Robert KKK Byrd, the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act. I've talked about the history. Every two and four years, we see this divide, rich versus poor, old versus young, black versus white. Republicans, uh, you know, a, a cross, an elected cross are going to burn. It's like my father was killed all over again. George Bush supported the death penalty in the James Byrd case. You know, Al Gore, Republicans want to, don't even want to count you in the census. They're going to put you all back in chains. It's like clockwork. Just a reminder, Hannity history lesson. We'll have a full one tonight on Hannity. Just listen. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote... You let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking guy. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far. go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. I'm actually old enough to remember the good old days and they weren't all that good in many ways. That message, we're, I'll give you 
America great again is if you're a white southerner, you know exactly what it means, don't you? You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Mitt Romney, he's speaking to a population of this a segment of the population who does not like to see people other than a white man in the White House or in any other elected position. I don't know how anyone of Hispanic heritage could be a Republican, okay? Do I need to say more? Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. That he has supporters like David Duke connected with the Ku Klux Klan who are going around and saying Donald Trump is their candidate because Donald Trump is pushing their values. Ku Klux Klan values, David Duke values, Donald Trump values are not American values. They, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time, they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people. Some of them the dregs of society. On June 7, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. He supported the death penalty in that case. Joining us, Reverend C.L. Bryan, author of The Race for Freedom, Senior Fellow, Freedom Work, Sergeant Demetric Penny. He's running for the 30th Congressional District of uh, the great state of Texas and veteran of the Dallas Police Force 21 years, president of the Dallas, Texas uh, National Fallen Officers Foundation. Uh, thank you both, Reverend Bryan. Um, I say it, I warn my audience, it's an election year, it's coming, here we are. Absolutely, Sean, and the ringleader in keeping racial division going in this country evidently has been and is still Barack Hussein Obama. It was crass, it was gauche, and it was inappropriate uh, for him to actually attack uh, a, a president and, of course, bring up all these innuendos at a funeral of someone uh, who is indeed a civil rights icon. It was shameful what went on. But if Donald Trump had done the same thing at one of our venerable conservative funerals, he would be taken out and crucified over what mm -hmm. uh, Barack Obama would have said. Sean, the hypocrisy apparently knows no bounds. By the way, we all lost a dear friend today, and I know you were close to him as I was, and I mean a dear friend, uh, and that is our friend Herman Cain. And... Yeah. Um, it is just beyond sad to me. This, this man, he literally lit up a room with a smile and a laugh and a joy and a light. 
Um, and he will be so, so missed. And, and even that's been politicized. Um, let me say this about Herman, yeah. Sean. Um, Herman was a mentor of mine. He appeared in my film, Runaway Slave. Uh, the, the term uh, running away from the Democrat plantation uh, was uttered in, in Runaway Slave. In fact, you were the very first one to put it up on your, your uh, website, uh, the movie, several years ago now. But Herman launched that phrase in my film, the Democrat plantation. It's the new plantation. And he was a mentor. He poured into my life and business acumen and letting me know how to approach things. And he would say things to many of us who were younger than him. And then he would explain to us why he said it. That type of mentorship, that type of leadership. Oh, my God, Sean, I would truly miss Miss Herman Cain. Uh, a light in the world for sure. For sure. Sergeant Penny, welcome back. I uh, hope your race is going well. What is your reaction to this? Oh, my God. I was, first of all, I want to condolences to Herman Cain's family. Uh, but what I heard today at the John Lewis funeral, I mean, that was sickening to hear President Barack Obama get in front of everybody, that community at that, and, and make those comments about police. You know, you got to keep in mind that that racial divide that he sold back in 2016. That was the reason that I filed the federal lawsuit against him. That's the same thing that he just did on this stage right now. He just put, put a bullseye on the back of all police officers. We're talking about police that are out here trying to serve the black community, that are trying to take care of the interests of, of, of minority communities across this country. And what he, just, what he said about police officers as a whole having a knee on the, on the neck of black people, man, it was sickening. I've never heard anything like it before. And, I, and, I, and I, I praise God that Barack Obama, now keep in mind, this is the same Barack Obama who came from Chicago. He had the highest murder rate when he, when he left Chicago. And while he was in, in the White House, it was also record highs in murder rates in the black community in Chicago where he's from. So you tell me, where, did he, where does he even stand on any of these arguments? I don't even think he has a claim to even say anything about, about what's happening to the black community because he didn't do anything while he was in office. It is. And, and we chronicled all that. We chronicled all of it. And, you know, I, I guess the saddest thing is their candidate. Well, he, he praises the guy that was filibustering the, the historic Civil Rights Act that John Lewis helped make happen, followed by the 65 Voting Rights Act and C.L. Bryant. It was 80-plus percent Republicans, House, and Democrat. Lyndon Johnson needed all of them because right. the, their mentor was filibustering. Al Gore's father was nowhere to be found. J. William Fulbright, Bill Clinton's mentor, another known segregationist. You know, right. The Democratic Party is going to give Joe a, a, a pass on segregation. Integration is, you know, his, his comments about a racial jungle. We cannot erase the fact. Let's make sure that we put this in context. Where we are today in, in 2020 is not where we were during the civil rights era. That's where everyone keeps make, keep making this, this distinction, this, this, the wrongful distinction, and showing that and making it, people believe that we're somehow enslaved. This should have been a great opportunity for, for, for everyone that got on that stage to talk about black empowerment. You would have, this would have been a great opportunity to say, hey, you know what, black community, I believe in the, in the American dream. I believe that you can be whatever it is that you want to be. You know why? Because I'm standing here as a black former president of the United States. I think that would have been a great speech. 
And he should have had been. President Obama it could have walked away as a hero. To do that. And uh, that would have been an excellent way for him to do it. But this was the president, Barack Hussein Obama, was the president who stood there while Joe Biden said that he was clean, he was articulate, he was neat, as though all other black people were not. No, for the, for the first exactly. time ever, he got a clean, yeah. Uh, yeah. articulate <laughs> and bright. And, and oh, it, this, is, this is storybook, man, African-American. I'm like, well, who talks like that? Joe Biden does. And folks, that's how out of touch Joe Biden is with the rest of uh, America. But also, Sean, when we look at the travesty that's going on in this country on Capitol Hill, what happened to uh, Barr uh, the other day was absolutely what you can expect from these Democrats in the years to come. If we're crazy enough to let uh, uh, I I keep going through the record. Barack and Joe didn't do criminal justice reform. Barack and Joe didn't do police reform. Barack and Joe didn't say set record low after record low after record low unemployment for African-Americans and every demographic group in the country. Barack and Joe didn't give the the financial commitment in terms of years and and the highest amount of money ever. That's all Donald Trump. You know, I I, 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 Sean, we, we have a president in office right now that's trying to contend, trying to deal with riots across this country. These are not peaceful protests. And, we, and, and, and looking at what we've never seen anything like this before, which, is, which brings me back to some of my earlier arguments about dealing with, dealing with these social media platforms that's allowing these radical groups to organize and attack our country. They're trying to destroy us, Sean. They're trying to destroy us from the inside out. Now foreign entities don't even have to come to America because they can use these platforms to attack us. And, right, and let me take let me take a break. Trade. We'll 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 come back. C.L. Bryant and Doctor. I'm sorry, Sergeant uh, Demetric Penny with us. All right, five days. Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores soon everywhere. Uh, the details coming up in the next half hour that we've now been promising you. Things that we're going to be doing. We'll list them. We'll put them up on Hannity.com as soon as we do. Uh, but first, I am joined by my fellow Fox colleague. Ever since the show The Five went on the air. It has always been one of the the biggest cable news stories in history because they literally jumpstart with incredible ratings, prime time, unprecedented, historic ratings. Uh, and I've always people always ask me, well, why did you know the show was so good ahead of time? I said, I, I just said from day one, it's a good show, and it's got a great ensemble cast, even with Juan Williams, who I like, but boy, he drives me nuts. And of course, uh, Jesse Waters and Dana Perino. And uh, the one and only Greg Gutfeld with us. Uh, Greg is by far the funniest guy on the air at Fox News. There's no second place for anybody. He's now written a book, Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, first of all, I asked you the question the other night on TV. I said, well, now, does all of this come off the top of your head? Because you're never really looking at notes when you're on the air. You got this laid back look. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, I wish I could dress on air the way you dress on air, but I'm not allowed <laughs> to go on air without a freaking tie. You and Eric Bowling get away with it. I, I never get away. Now I see Jesse Waters without a tie. You know, exactly. how did I get stuck wearing the stupid tie? I hate ties. Anyway, you know, the- is- Sean, if you stopped wearing a tie, no one's going to tell you to put the tie back on. I can safely predict that. <laughs> so you're, you're advising me to, 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 to go against the tie rule that apparently I'm the only one yes. that didn't get the exemption in my contract for. 
Um, exactly. I would suggest maybe a turtleneck. A turtleneck would be nice. Okay, I'm not wearing a turtleneck. That's not happening. <laughs> it's just not my style. But thanks for the fashion tip. All right, so yeah. are you going to laugh when I tell you this? I actually like, like self-help books. I've read The Road Less Traveled, The Pur- Purpose-Driven Life. I've read all those books. Yeah, but the thing is, I thought I think it's weird coming from somebody like me, and you know me. I'm not exactly the self I'm not Captain Optimistic. I mean, I'm a, obviously I'm a wise ass, and 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 I, I you no, know, you're a total wise man. ass, and you're really good at it, and it cracks me up. <laughs> but it's like I just woke up one. It, this is weird. It was it wasn't a planned book. I, I just woke up and I thought, you know what? I gotta like I gotta fix my brain. Like there has to be a way to deal with the psychological problems. The, the way I look at things, there has to be a way to do it. So I came up with this idea that like every time I'm about to do something, I ask myself. Will what I do be a plus or a minus before I send a tweet, before I send an email to a colleague, before I do anything, I go plus or minus. And I was doing that for a couple of weeks and I was going, wow, this actually works. And then I was looking at all these book proposals I had and they were all about problems. And I thought, what if I just took all of them, put them together and had solutions for like cancel culture, you know, and, and just social media abuse and stuff like that. And it was a plus. It was like, okay, how do you come at this? And every decision you make you know, you run a little test beforehand. Is this positive or negative? It, it could have helped me in a lot of situations if I discovered this sooner. I think people might already have it, and I just didn't have it, you know? You know, but the thing is, is now, have you ever done stand-up comedy? Because if you haven't, never, you need to. Ne- I've never done it, and it's kind of funny because when people, you know, when you have, like, haters, they always like to say you're a failed this or failed that, and they go, he was a failed comedian. I've never done stand-up. I was an editor. I edited you know, Men's Health. I was in service self-help journalism. But I, I, when I do shows now, I, I, I you know, I, I talk and, but I don't actually tell jokes because that's a, that's a different kind of skill. I mean, you have to learn about rhythm and you have to be you have to get on the road and get heckled and booed. I'm not I'm too fragile, really. Oh, come on. You, you're not. Are you really fragile? Come on. I think um, I you know what? I can't. I, All right, I, let I, me I, ask this. Sure. If somebody says something bad, uh, negative about you, do you read this crap? You know what? I am like a dog returning to its. You know what? It's like sometimes <laughs> I, like, I, I can't. I, if somebody if somebody said here are five email here are five texts people saying nice things and here's one that is really mean I will go to the mean one first because the curiosity is too much and it's really stupid that's why Twitter works because everybody's looking at the negative stuff nobody cares about positive I mean you do get a dopamine hit if somebody says I love the five or I watched Hannity you know when you when somebody that you feel good but there's that you, for some reason you got to look at the other stuff and it's a real weakness. I would say it's a weakness on my part that I'm trying to cure. It's like, why do I care? And it's just because I'm just, it's a curiosity. It's not that I care. I'm just curious. It's stupid, too. You know, you I, know? I love the fact that you kind of go through where we are here, and that is the the cancel culture, uh, social yeah. media, mob rule. Now, I never read, I don't read these articles about me anymore. Yeah. I don't go near it. Yeah. Do you know I do not have access to any of my social media? None whatsoever. <laughs> I haven't for a long time. If that's I want to, like I sent out a tweet today, thing. I wrote it about Herman Cain, a dear friend of all of ours. Yeah. And, um, but I have to send it through the vetters that will then put it up because I don't have the password to even get in the account. That's, I got to do that. My wife took my password away once and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I gave it to her. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't, I had to like, it lasted maybe a week and a half. 
but I got it back. But it's like, I think that's, I think I, after this book is over, I have to put my money where my, my mouth is and get off and do exactly what you're doing, which is let go of these things. The only problem is even if you let go of it, they don't let go of you. There's still a cancel culture floating out there that is trying to get you off the air. And to a lesser extent, probably me and the five, but it's like, even though you don't know, even though you're not following it, it's out there. And at some point, you know, Somebody's going to knock on the door and go, uh, Sean, did you see this? And it's like, you go, ah, please. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, I need to know. That's, I need to know what's going on out there. If it's well, my, my, listen, I have a great group of people on radio and TV, and they do let me know uh, yeah. if, oh, by the way, this one's attacking you, that one's attacking you. I'm like, yeah, okay. Is there anything new? Uh, yes. And it's just sort of par for the course. You know, what, you know what the real attitude is? I'm in my 25th year here at Fox. How many years have you been at Fox now? I think 11. Okay. Yeah. I just don't give a rip. You know, I am who I am. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm proud of the work I do every day. I know you're proud of the work you do every day. And what I don't understand is I, I, I never, even in the midst of my fights with Jimmy Kimmel and I hate Bill Maher and all these people, I never once said to boycott or demand their firing because I think people let people make their choice. Right. And and that, and that is, it's, it's such a difference because, like, I, I feel the same way. Like, I will forget if somebody says does something that's worth getting fired, but they apologize. I accept the apology, but they wouldn't do that for you or me. If I no. screwed up on the air and I said I'm sorry, that that would just be some, you know, in the ocean for them. They would just start you know, circling the boat if any of us got into any trouble. Yet we still will uh, forgive them. We will still defend them. Like I, right? I, I, I defended some dude. I, he was a left-wing guy that comes after Fox a lot when he screwed up. I defended him, and no gratitude. Instead, like a week or three weeks later, he comes after me, completely oblivious, or just didn't care that I helped. That I kind of helped him save his job. He doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. So, but you, have, you, you still have to do it, you know. Now, did, when you wrote this book, because there's always a, a lag time between the time you finish a book and it's it's sent to the publisher. That that goes on the air. Did you was did you write this book before all the anarchy? Because your first chapter is the giant minus mob rule. Isn't that crazy? So this I, that was a book proposal that I was doing called Mob Rule. But then I felt like you know what I want to do. It, there's there's a bigger issue. It's how to solve these things. So I wrote that last year and then kept working on it all the way well before the the riots. Also, like the COVID thing, the book was finished before COVID. But I I pleaded with the publisher to let me add a whole chapter on that, which is the, like the preface, but it's true. It's like, there's so many things in this book that are useful or at least are, are very contemporary right now that it's kind of creepy to me, you know? Yeah. Um, let me, let me go through this. What has been the worst part of maybe something you've said and people get angry at you? Oh, that's a good one. Oh boy. Um, you know, there's so many, um, I think, you know what it is. I do think, um, that, there is a confusion over how we argue on the five, you know, because of, uh, it looks like we're screaming at each other when in fact it's a tape delay and it looks like we're interrupting. And so I think I, I always try to tell people that it's not the way it looks. It's not how it appears. Um, maybe that's it. That's a, that might be a criticism, I guess. Um, but I'm trying to think of one, one thing that I said. Everything that I say is taken out of context by Media Matters and all, these, and all the people who read that. Uh, media matters. But honestly, there's too many. I would say that if I Googled myself, I'd probably find, I don't know, 500, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and, and but you know, and the funny thing is, is what's great about the five is you got all different points of view there. Yeah. You have become, yeah. I think, over time, more supportive of President Trump than maybe you were in the beginning. Am I wrong? Am I? Oh, and, no, tell me why. Because um, I realized, okay, the moment that he became president, I had to erase the chalkboard, right? I, and I said, focus on deeds, not words. So, like, all during 2016, you couldn't focus I mean, the, the election. You couldn't focus on deeds because Trump wasn't president. So all you could focus on were the words, right? So we are always arguing about, oh, why did he say this? Why did he say that? And I was very critical of him because I had other choices. He wins. I have to erase everything because now he's my president, and I get to focus on the deeds, which you got to say have been pretty good, and let the words slide because that's not going to change. So that kind of evolved my perspective. The other thing, too, is I had to get rid of what I would call the sunk cost, like that investment you have in a past idea, like you don't like something, like a never-Trumper is the perfect example of a sunk cost. They can't let go of their hate because they've hated for so long. They're like in a really weird relationship for three years. They can't break it off because they've been in it for three years and they think that would be a waste of time. That's how people are with a relationship with hating Trump. They can't let it go because it's a sunk cost. They've already invested too much in it. And I realized the healthiest thing you could do is, is always abandon that past investment. You don't hold on to the loss. You got to let it go. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break. Uh, Greg Gutfeld is with us. Uh, an amazing new book he's come out with, and, and the self help for people who hate self help. The plus. All right. As we continue, uh, Greg Gutfeld is uh, with us. He's got his brand new book out, The Plus: Self Help for People Who Hate Self Help. Um, you were talking about the dynamics on the five, and and I watch it, and I'm very entertained by it. Um, it isn't personal. I think people think it is, but it's not. Because I know all of you. I mean, there might be little days where you have little spats. It's all uh, look. It was right. hard for me to do a two person show. Five people is hard. Yeah, and the uh, I think what ha- what happens is because human beings, you know, they, everybody has their own filter, right? So they're they're interpreting stuff differently. So it might appear that oh this is they're, they're really mad at each other no it, 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 they're really not and in fact and I also do think because the stories this year have been so heavy and I, heavy yeah and personally I mean my neighborhood was completely looted my wife was trapped in the apartment um, in, in downtown New York when our entire street was destroyed all I mean all the stores were looted and everything I mean, it was just devastating so whenever we're talking about that sort of thing i have to like i have to be really careful about my feelings about it because it's really close to me um but i still got, i still got to talk about it um the the covid stuff everybody's affected by that so there's like there's, there's this is just heavy stuff that people have never gone through before so i think when you know there is when there are maybe dismissive comments and things like that it gets under people's skin so we have to be really cognizant of listening we have to listen more um but the problem with you know the way the show is now we're you know on these remotes i'm sitting in a van there's a tape delay it sounds like we're talking over each other you're sitting uh, in a van whoa, whoa you're doing your show from a van yes in my driveway no way how did you set that so, up and so is juan i think juan is in a van uh, where he a is van? van. I, why a yeah. van? Why didn't you just put a you know a camera in your house? Because, oh my God, my wife would kill me. No, it would be like uh, it, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of equipment that they put in here. But I think in the future, I'd love to do to have a setup. But it's like the temporary thing. You bring in all these cables. They put them all over the place, and it's 
you know, I just walk out to the driveway. I sit in the van. They have all of it in control. I think they prefer it that way because there's uh, maybe there's less of a chance that something might go wrong because it's all the technology is in front of you. It's pretty cool though because nobody notices it except with the the the, the tape delay that we all experience and which to me cuts off. It, we end up, I'm going to go back. I think I'm going to go back to the studio hopefully soon. But I think the, it would be great if the five. We're back in one damn room. I mean, it, it would it would really be. I don't think you miss a beat. That's as a as a fan of the show, um, friend of everybody on the show. I think you guys do great. Congrats on the book. It's called. I'm actually going to be on their show. I think one day next week. Uh, the plus so. self help for people who hate self help. Greg Gutfeld, uh, the five, and uh, it's on Amazon.com now in bookstores everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, I saw the president tweeted out about it as well. Uh, congratulations and uh, all the best as always. Thank you, sir. Good. Yeah, I hope to see you next week. Okay, sir. Thank you. All right. When we come back, Linda and I, the announcements, the book stuff, all coming to you straight ahead. All right. 25 till the uh, top of the hour. That's next Tuesday. We launch Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink. Live Free or America Dies in Latin. Uh, we've been telling you, we've been working really hard on a schedule because obviously times are different and changing. And, you know, one thing we were considering throughout the whole process, and I've, I've had book tours where, you know, throughout the process of weeks and weeks, I've, I've been to as many as 60 some odd cities. And it's I love getting out and I anticipated doing that uh, with this book as well. And maybe at some point I can and, and, and get back out on the road be pretty exciting. I think this is the defining moment in terms of the country and a tipping point, all hands on deck moment. And I try to lay out everything that I believe is is hanging in the balance. It literally is the biggest choice election ever. You've got the most radical presidential candidate of a major party in the history of the country, a guy that is just fully, completely embraced and adopted Bolshevik Bernie's socialism. His economic czar, AOC's Green New Deal, trillions of dollars, Joe says he's spending, trillions on the Green New Deal, which is everything's for free and we're going to eliminate oil and gas and coal. And he has said as much on that also. It's a guy that won't speak out and praise the 99% of officers, even though so many officers are being hurt every day. He's a guy that has actually used the term the police. You know, they they've become the enemy. He said that. Uh, yeah, of course, we'll reallocate monies away. Now he's been trying to back it off, et cetera, et cetera. He's not going to get the vetting of the media. But you got literally Bernie, Bolshevik Bernie, AOC, gun confiscation, Bozo, Beto O'Rourke, and then Pelosi, Schumer, and Biden, 125 years combined failure in the swamp. In 47 years, my question is to anybody, what is Joe Biden? What is his one significant accomplishment? That you can cite because I can cite Donald Trump's accomplishments in less than four years and they are deep, profound and significant and have been impactful in extremely positive ways for the country. And I fully defend the president's handling of covid-19, just starting with the travel ban 10 days after the first identified case of of coronavirus. That was January 21st. Ten days later, he had a travel ban and subsequent travel bans. And then he had, of course, the first quarantine, what, 50 or 60 years. I defend that, too. But if you look at where where Joe stands on the on socialism, it's socialism versus free market capitalism. That system that has created more wealth, 
more ingenuity, more creativity that has advanced humankind than any other system designed by man versus what is a whole chapter, socialism, a history of failure. And you listen to the exact words of the Democrats. They've all been regurgitated before when false promises were made with other socialist experiments that all topple because they're unfulfilled promises and a power grab in the end and a decline in liberty and freedom. I argue if these policies are implemented, America as we know it, it disappears. You have a president that has kept his promise. It's about amnesty, the United Sanctuary States of America versus border security. It's as simple as energy independence and continuing to be the world's largest energy producer, which we became under Donald Trump, or it's getting rid of the lifeblood of, a, of, of the world's economy with this fantasy of a Green New Deal and zero carbon emissions and eventually no planes or cows. Good luck with that. This idea that everything can be free, it is, a, a, it is mathematically and scientifically impossible. What the Democrats have done to this country, the damage they have done, I have a whole chapter about the mob and the media, how they have aided and abetted all of the damage against the, the office of the presidency, divided this country in ways nobody ever could comprehend, lies, smears, slander, libel, besmirchment, conspiracy theories, and hoaxes. It's all laid out. So we would usually do a book tour. That was the plan to go get on the road. COVID has changed things. And um, as I've been saying very early on, anecdotally, why I support people wearing masks, it's only going to be temporary, very temporary, as a matter of fact, as therapeutics are advancing, as uh, vaccine is progressing. So um, we want to keep people safe, but we've come up with very innovative, creative ideas. And uh, Linda, you have the list in front of you. We're going to put it up on Hannity.com right after this program today. And uh, let's run down a little bit of the short list. Or you want to do the comprehensive list? I mean, you know, I think we could do the overonda, right? But I think uh, for the most part, you know, we just want to first thank everybody. We've had such great partners. I mean, when we thought we were going out on the road, we had a plexiglass photograph, you know, set up with a step and repeat and we had all these great plans and these awesome book partners all over the country. And um, unfortunately, just the, the state compliance issues is now reducing what we're allowed to have at all these events down to like sometimes 40 people. And it's just not enough. So what we've done is with every partner that we originally were going to do these in real life events with, we're now going to do it virtually. And you can find out more on Hannity.com. You basically go on the site and it'll have a listing of various Booksellers, local bookstores, um, the Reagan Library is having their event on August 5th. Uh, the Nixon Library is having their event on August 6th. All of this is going to be on Hannity.com. And we'll have a full list. You know, Sean's going to be on Mark Levin's show uh, this coming Sunday. This coming Life, Sunday for the full hour. Yeah. Full hour, which is awesome. And then uh, Monday, we're going to be doing some great radio throughout the day. And then we're going to be... Well, by the way, we did, we're launching an hour with Greg Jarrett on FoxNation.com. That's correct. So that's happening tomorrow. And it'll air throughout the weekend. And they have a great promotion happening as well with Fox Nation, where you can get a free copy of Sean's book when you sign up for Fox Nation. You get two months. Um, you know, you sign up there for the subscription. You get a copy of Sean's book. So that's an awesome promotion. So I advise everybody to go and check that out. Uh, you know, you're going to be on with uh, Laura Ingram on Monday night. On Tuesday night, we're doing an awesome live signing. Would love for everybody to check that out as well. We'll have a link through uh, Hannity.com for that. You get there right after Sean okay, gets so off the, the air. Okay, so the live signing, by the way, that's we're going to go on uh, online. You yeah. can click on it at Hannity.com. Yeah. Okay, and, and from there, 
uh, I'm going to be signing books, I assume, and yes. uh, and to people, and we'll have interaction, and people yeah. can ask questions so, and talk. Yeah. And okay, we're going to have we're going to have a question and answer that. session, and yep. basically everybody can go in, they can submit their questions, and then we'll announce, hey, so and so from such and such, and here's their question, and here's my answer. It's one-stop shopping. You know, you can click, you can buy the book, you can get signed copies, and you're able to actually have an interactive moment and be in a room full of other people that really want to learn more about, you know, uh, the Constitution, our founding fathers, where we're coming from, where we're going, and why this election matters so much. And so we're so grateful. We're going to be on with Dennis Prager on Monday as well. We're going to be with uh, Glenn Beck, our friend Glenn Beck, on Tuesday morning. You're actually going to be on Fox and Friends Tuesday morning, uh, The Five. You're going to be on there for a couple of segments. And then, again, that leads into that premiere live signing. And then Wednesday, we're actually going to be on during the day uh, before we come on here on radio with Dana Perino. Um, Harris Faulkner is going to be on Thursday. I do have so many friends at Fox. I will tell you that. They've all been amazing. And uh, I got a, they've just been uh, very supportive. It's incredible. And, you know, Sean, the one thing that I want to say, and this isn't just because, you know, you're my friend or I work here. You know, th- I think this is a really important point. So many people put books out and they talk about uh, their opinion on this or their opinion on that. You know, live free or die is really different. It's taking us, it's a deep dive through our history. It's talking about where we're coming from, where these ideas actually originated. And I think, you know, your chapters on Joe Biden and how ridiculous this man has been as a elected official and the ridiculous idea that 50 years of doing nothing qualifies you to be the leader of the free world. I mean, th- this is a man who has had the ability in office to actually enact bills, legislation as a senator and as a vice president. And all these grand ideas he had, he never did them. And now he's saying, oh, no, but when I'm president, I will. I just don't understand this theory. It's like if you hire somebody and they don't do any work, do you then promote them to become the president of the company? That makes no sense. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the time. And Joe Biden, the only thing he did was put in the time to collect the paycheck and walk around with pop and circumstance and try to get things for his son. I mean, to me, this is no this is no candidate for president. We have Lawrence Jones. We're doing men on the man on the street. We're going to do it in a number of cities. We're going to and I'll telegraph the question. Tell me what Joe Biden in 47 years has accomplished. What is his chief accomplishment? Uh, then you ask people, do you think that he has the mental alertness? That's a charitable way of saying, you know, all these mental lapses he's having and he even had some yesterday. And Sean, can and I speak to that before, for a minute? Because some you people speak about the mental lapses and <laughs> the strength and the stamina to be president of the United but, States. And does he have it? I don't think he does. But here's the thing. You know, some people make a joke out of that. It's not funny. Mental acuity is a very serious thing. He is an elderly individual. He's not making regular appearances. The president of the free world has to be at top warp speed at all times, immediate reactions, be able to make split decisions. He is having far too many moments where he falters to even think for one second that that's a possibility. And I really think it's an egregious. The worst thing for me is this. I mean, you know, he's going to get a pass, you know, when he talked to, well, his mentor, of course, Robert KKK Byrd. If Donald Trump said he was my mentor and the great leader in the Senate, um, Okay, this is the guy that filibustered the the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It's despicable. When when there was issues involving segregation, integration, you know, well, he was talking about my kids going to school. They can't be there. You know, if if it's becoming a racial jungle, I'm like, what? 
or his comments about predators or other past positions that he's taken. And, you know, it's interesting. I have a little section on reparations. Everybody forgets both Obama and Hillary were against it. Joe Biden's comment on it was, I'm not paying, you know, for the sins of what of other people. I mean, it was brutal. And I now you look at everything has changed. It's I look at the team that he's put around him and it scares the living daylights out of me. The hardest thing that I've discovered, I did an interview with Charlie Kirk and I did a podcast with uh, Newt Gingrich. And I've discovered is, and I knew this, which is why a year ago I began this project. And may I interrupt for a moment because you know, Newt's World, his awesome podcast, he's got an amazing team. I think it's that, that Sunday. It's going to be this Sunday. So we've yeah. got a lot of stuff happening on Sunday and we really hope that everybody tunes in. I think in. We we're on the on the phone at least an hour. I was on the uh, It was a little longer than that, Kirk. actually. Yeah, we were on a long time. And... What I realize, and this is why I did it, is that even though I'm on four hours a day, you think I would be able to discuss all of these things in that long period of time. You can't. And and this is this is why I, I, I never wrote a book the last 10 years because it's too hard. And the the explanation, the depth that I can go into in this book to truly explain what made us great, what what where their radicalism, the roots of it. Uh, what their insane agenda is, followed up by socialism, a history of failure, followed up by what they've the damage with the Russia hoax and the damage with the impeachment hoax, uh, followed by the, their willing accomplices and allies, the propaganda conspiracy uh, mob in the media, and and then followed by here's the truth about Donald Trump and his agenda and what it means for America, including a, a chapter. We kept it as up to speed as possible. We we're going to release this a, a month earlier, at least a month earlier, is that I wanted to be up to date as it related to coronavirus, which, you know, Joe Biden wasn't going to be there for the travel ban. He said it was hysteria, xenophobia and and fear mongering. And the Democrats were impeaching the president when the president was acting. And this guy gets no credit for anything that he's done. He's accomplished more in three and a half years than Pelosi, Biden, and Schumer in 125. And I, I'll take that debate to anybody, any place, anywhere, any forum. But see, Sean, that's the whole thing about live free or die. So this is a generation of, of people, you know, this younger generation, you know, these Gen Zers and the millennials, and they're marching through the street. And they're marching alongside the hipsters who probably marched in the 60s and the 70s. And it's all about a collective and the group think. But they don't actually know what they're talking about because they're just following along. If When I walk down the street, when the, when the protests were happening every day out here, when I would walk out of the studio and I would see these protesters and I'd say, what are you guys protesting? What's going on? What, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what are you marching for? Oh, man, righteousness. Oh, okay. Righteousness for what? What are you fighting for? What does it mean to you? They don't know. They don't have the answers. They don't have the history because no one's ever told them. And that's the difference of Live Free or Die and every other book that's out there on the market, period. It's giving you if your these history. these policies are implemented, it will destroy the greatest system of governance, albeit imperfect, that man has ever created that has advanced the world's condition, the human condition on levels that nobody would have ever imagined. All right, um, we'll put it all up on Hannity.com. Uh, Linda, thanks for your help. Uh, you are welcome, to boss. All of these, all of these events that we're we're going to put up there. I hope you can join us virtually, hopefully down the road in person. Um, and uh, we'll have a lot more, a lot of appearances. We'll try and keep you up to speed as possible. I have a hard time keeping up with my calendar at this point. 
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, all the uh, dates we mentioned, all the things we're doing in coming uh, days, Hannity.com will keep you up to speed uh, as things develop. Uh, we'll take you to the eulogy of Barack Obama today. Uh, wow. Uh, we have uh, Leo and Larry, Leo Terrell, Larry Elder, uh, the great one, Mark Levin, and Kevin McCarthy. 9 Eastern tonight, set your DVR. Hannity.com's All Thing Election and Live Free or Die. And we'll see you tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thank you for being with us.